Praise God. I want to I wanna just ask you all to keep the, the pastors in Mexico in your prayers um, and just keep them lifted up. You know, this year we're going to do more than we've ever done before, I'm telling you. This year in evangelism and, 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 and building and, and churches and vehicles and everything else to promote the gospel we've ever done before in life. And I'm telling you, it's a good thing. Amen. But I know the devil hates it, but that's okay. He's a loser. And we're victorious. Churches are growing. Things are going. Sister Annie was telling me about an outreach that we started in uh, Progresso that uh, it, it's, it's just kind of a miracle. They started on the streets of Progresso, uh, Nuevo Progresso. And, you know, the problem with it is that, um, you know, they've, they've had such problems with the drug cartels. And now, right now, they've kind of dwindled down, but the town is just really in bad shape, and there's no tourists go over there anymore, and it's just been too dangerous. And so they started an outreach, and they started just loving people and blessing people, not having it at a church necessarily. They just call it an outreach and going out on the streets. And she said it went from five to 75 overnight, and every week it's just growing. And uh, they already have another big building right beside them that uh, they're going to start doing special events in. And uh, so, praise the Lord. I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, people are being reached, touched, and healed in Jesus' name. That's what it's all about, right? So, I want to preach a word to you tonight. So, get your Bibles out. And if you would, go to the book of Mark chapter 10. We're going to get going in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 here in just a minute. But I preached a message Sunday about your altar. And then I had a bunch of people talk to me afterwards and did it on the grounds. They were talking about that. And, and, uh, and so I, I, I just had a little more here I wanted to do. And then it turned into something else. And I don't know what's going to happen after this. But, uh, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times folks listen to me. We're going through and we're dealing with issues. We're dealing with problems. We're dealing with worries. We're dealing with anxiety. We're dealing with all these things. But if you would learn to make an altar in your heart, Hello? And then you would learn to go put yourself on that altar. Take your heart and put it on the altar before Jesus and let him touch you. You know, he'll fix all of the mess. But you got to have an altar. And when I was trying to get across to everybody on Sunday, and I don't know, it, it, I just pray to God it did, that the altar is what you make of. And like I was joking, I said, I don't care if you do a, you know, three stones, three stones, three stones, three stones, or you do a two, four, two. And then I thought later, yeah, somebody's probably doing a, two and a half and a, you know, something they got it all chopped up. You know, well, whatever you do, doesn't make any difference because you just got to make a place. And that altar is who you are in life and what, what you stand for, what you believe in. And I gave you the 12 things that, that are on my altar that, you know, family, lost, church, things that are important to me, honor, integrity. These things are just, they're a part of a pillar of my life and they're not going to change. I'm not going to ever yield. I'm not going to ever give up on them. Well, so as I began to think about this, it was like the Holy Spirit prompted something about, uh, about this message. Because really the altar is who your identity is. It's really who you are. Okay? It's the real core of you. It's the, man, like y'all, y'all see me like this, and I, I finally figured this out. I got, I have definite proof about this. Every person that's ever listened to me on the radio or listened to the podcast but never saw me, the moment they see me, they always say, I thought you'd have been taller. <laughs> I mean, I have never heard anybody say, oh, you look just like I thought. They always say, I thought you'd have been taller. Well, it's because of the big spirit on the inside of me. The tall spirit on the inside of me goes out and he's preaching, see? 
There's more to me than just what you see strapped down in this question, this body. That's why I bulge in places because just don't want fit. So, but that's the real me. This is not the me. This is bodies. Man, I'm going to lose this one. This is just my earth tent. The real me. Who's the real you? What's your real identity? And see, the devil's always wanting to steal it. He's always wanting you to make an altar out of shame and grief. And that's what he's wanting you to make your altar because that's who you've identified with over life because of the problems and issues and things that come against us. You've made an altar in your life that is your, your false identity. And so you've been going up and worshiping at the altar of self-pity, worshiping at the altar of, you know, envy, strife, rebellion. That's not you. You're born again. And I want to show you something here. And let me get into this. I, it, let's go to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Great story, story of blind Bartimaeus, okay? So, I mean, you know this, but let's just read it. It says, now when they came to Jericho, now think of Jericho. Jericho, right? What happened to Jericho? Right? Great victory for Israel. Okay. So as they went to Jericho and his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then they warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. So, I mean, this, uh, this guy, let's just look at this scene. Think about it. Here he is. He's, 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 he's a beggar on the side of the road. He just hears, because he can't see, he hears that Jesus is, is walking by, and he just goes nuts. He just starts screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I, I kind of, I'm a visual person, so I'm kind of thinking, did he just kind of listen? Was he just randomly? How do you even know if he was going in the right direction? He's blind. So, I mean, Jesus could have been over here, and he's over here. Jesus, I don't even have mercy on me. Whatever. And finally, someone said, be quiet. I mean, you're, you're, you're causing a stink. You're causing a ruckus. And see, that's what the world always wants us to do. What the world always wants us to do is fit into this little groove and into this little box. And they want us to just get our identity has to be this little religious way in this little. I remember when I was first time I went to Russia, and I saw Russian Orthodox, the Russian, the, the, the priest of the Russian Orthodox Church. They were scary, you know, all dressed in black. Uh, I mean, I see these dudes, big, long black beards. I mean, they were scary looking. And I was like, wow, that's what, ooh, who wants to go to church like that? But that was our identity. And they passed it down through generations. And everybody thought, well, if you're going to be a priest, you have to look like this, act like this, talk like this, do all this. So the world's telling blind Bartimaeus, you can't get crazy. You can't get radical. You can't get unorthodox. You can't get, you know, you're, you're being uncouth over here. You're just being a redneck. Okay. So then Jesus stood still and he commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man and said to him, be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. Yeah. What a bunch of guys. The same guys that were just telling him to shut up are now saying, oh, be of good cheer. And this is throwing aside his garment, he arose and he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, now, now just think of this, okay? He's blind. He cannot see. So he didn't just walk to Jesus. Somebody had to lead him to Jesus. Somebody had to take him over there and, and take him to Jesus, right? He doesn't know. He's just going through the crowd. And he gets up there. He can't see Jesus. He just knows that Jesus is standing there. 
Think of this. All he's doing is hearing a man say, what do you want? He's only by, listen, this is good. He's only by what he's heard and taken by faith that that man can help him. Are y'all hearing me? He wouldn't that sound like where we're where we're at. He just you just have to take the word of Jesus as the word of Jesus and believe in it. So he's standing there, and Jesus says, "What do you want me to do for you?" Well, obviously he's blind, but Jesus asked him the question because a lot of people in life don't really know what to say when they get in front of Jesus. Don't really know what to ask for. Because what if the blind man would say, "Lord, I just won't." I just want to have a pot of gold that never runs out. I just want to have a goose that lays a golden egg every morning. Right? So Jesus had to ask him, what do you want? The blind man said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed. He's in the crowd now. Follow Jesus. Now, what I want to show you here is that it says that when, he, when, he, when, he, when Jesus called him, he threw off his garment, right? And I know y'all have probably heard messages preached about that. I've preached about this. But I was finding it interesting as I was studying this out and looking at it, is that I thought that the Jewish people gave him the beggar's garment. But the truth is, it wasn't. It was the Roman government. The Roman government had a thing set up to where blind people, beggared people that were whatever, if they wanted to go out and officially beg, they gave them an identity, a garment, or, you know, a card. Huh? So they could be identified as a beggar. So his identity became a beggar. So his altar was a beggar's altar. What's yours? What has anybody or somebody or any, you know, they or them or whatever tried to put on you to say this is your identity? Now, we see see this rampant spirit going on in the world today. Where if you, if you just look at it, just stop, just, just, just back up for a minute and look how it's trying to put an identity on everybody. You have a victim identity. You have a racist identity. You are a deplorable identity. They're trying to stick identities on everybody. And it, literally, it was the Roman government doing this. And it's our government today. Oh, you've got to have the vaccine passport or you don't get to go anywhere. That's your identity. And Jesus, when Bartimaeus came to him, he wanted his eyes to be open. Now listen to this. Bartimaeus said, I want to see. And then he saw, and who he saw was Jesus, and he followed him. I believe right now we're in a time that there's going to be people who are blind. But all of a sudden, man, it's going to come off of them because they're going to ask Jesus. 
They're going to want to know truth. And when they turn to want to know truth, the scales are going to fall off their eyes and they're going to behold Jesus and then they're going to follow him. Now, I believe it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a, what does it say? Oh, a new creation. In other words, your old past identity's gone and you are somebody else. Jesus is into transforming identities. Oh, so your, your identity is your poor. Your identity is your victim. Your identity is you're of the never make it crowd, the grumbler crowd, the whiner crowd. Everybody gets ahead but me. I don't get ahead crowd. Is that your identity? Hear me. Jesus will take the old and give you a new identity because that's what he specializes in. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says when you become born again, that identity, the old identity is gone. And you've got a new identity. So your altar has to be rebuilt with your new identity. See, there's people that can't believe that they pray. And I don't know exactly know how it works. I know just from what the Bible tells us in some some instances. But, you know, I know that our prayers go up, not down, to heaven. I know that it says that there's that they're caught. They're in a they're in a bowl. Think about that. And then that bowl, they go up as an incense into God. But just, come on, folks, listen to me. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Your identity has to be that you're a person who can touch heaven. That when you pray in the name of Jesus, you say, oh, well, you know, who are you? You're just, why would God be listening to your person? Because I'm his child. Parents listen to their children. And when I pray, my prayer goes up to heaven and then whoosh, goes up and then it's distributed there. But isn't it amazing how worried the devil can get us to get? Because he wants us to focus on our old identity over here of just like basically you're a, you're, you're a victim to the world. Next scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. But it says something here. <clears throat> now, this is really cool. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. When it says that you put off, okay, put off. If you look up that word, it means to literally to put off to lay aside, to lay down, to cast off, to put away, to lay apart. I said it this way, you strip it off. What did Bartimaeus do? Did he not put off? Did he not throw off? He took the garment and chunked it. He didn't need it. He didn't need that old garment anymore. He wasn't going to be a beggar after this. He got rid of it. He didn't need that authority from the Roman government that he could sit and beg. He was going to have a new life. He was going to go do whatever. He could see. Now he could work. He could go. Maybe. This is Robert. Okay. Maybe he became a great craftsman. I don't know what happened to Bartimaeus. But I'm saying, what if he, what if all of a sudden now he could see? He says, "Ah, that's what a table looks like. Oh, gosh, if we would do it this way, it would really look cool. 
I dreamed about what tables look like because I never saw a table, but now I see a table, I think I can build one better. And it became the Bartimaeus Table Manufacturing Company throughout the Middle East. I don't know, you know, I mean, this is just me, but I'm just saying, his eyes roam, that's what we should be, church. We should be the people that have thrown off the past, thrown off all that, and realized we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. And our prayers are effective, and our prayers go to heaven, and we, have, we now have a sonship and a, and, a, and a princely role and ambassadors on this earth. Walk around, have the devil tell us what we're going to do? What? You say, well, pastor, you know, I don't know. I, I tried, and this has been real hard, and I haven't been able to do anything, and it's like nothing changes. I think you need to change your altar. You need to get your right identity on. You need to rise up and start to say, no, I'll tell you what. If you go read Isaiah 54, 17, it says, no weapon that forms against us, prosper, or tongue that rises up against us, judgment will be condemned. But there's some translations that just love it because it says, there has never been a weapon forged. <laughs> so that makes it sound like, here's the devil in the blacksmith shop and the fire and the heat, and he's working all out. He's going to forge something that's going to get you this time. But God said, no, no matter what you come out of the fiery pit with, from the forging of the, in the fiery pit to me, it cannot prosper. And then it says why. It says why it cannot prosper. It doesn't say that it cannot prosper because you're such a great prayer person. You're such a goody two-shoes. You do everything right because you read your Bible all the time, because you always go to church. You have perfect attendance and a gold star by your name. No, it says the reason why no weapon that forms against you should prosper, because it says this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. In other words, that's your birthright that you overcome and prosper. You hear what I'm saying? Just that day when you didn't really know what you were doing and you gave your heart to Jesus and Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. And you know that you know that Jesus came to live in you and you got saved. That day, no weapon that formed against you after that could prosper because that was your heritage as a, as a child of God. Your inheritance, just because daddy is your father. I'm preaching really good. I'm just making myself happier and happier. You know what? I, you all, are y'all hearing this? But what if Bartimaeus would have listened to the crowd? What if he had listened to him saying, no, just sit down. Don't go. Sit down there. What do you mean? Shh, you're, you're acting irreverent. It's, 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 don't do shh. And he said, okay, I guess so. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I guess I better just, ooh, doo, doo. And he sat there. That boy would have been blind and died blind. Right? Took the identity the Romans gave him, and he'd have died with it. But that day he rose up. He chunked that garment off. He cast it off. He ripped it off. He stripped it off of him and said, I am a new man. All right? But you have to do it. Do you see what the scripture said? You have to do it. What if he'd have gone back and picked his garment up? So well, I've gotten kind of accustomed to that. Keeps me warm. And I don't have any money at this moment to get a new jacket. Maybe I need to go back and get that one because then I could, you know, it'll keep me warm. I can see, but it's gone. I, that guy would have gone back blind in a second. But he, he didn't. He started the Bartimaeus. Table company. Okay. 
Next scripture, Romans 12, 1. So now that we've got the garment cast off of us, now that we've got this, we've stripped off this garment and we're somebody new, Romans 12, 1 tells us what to do. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, what does that sound like to you? If you're going to go present your bodies as a living sacrifice, what does that sound like? Does that not sound like being laying something down on an altar? That you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable as God, which is your reasonable service. Is this what you just reasonably do? This is not like the over and above service. This is just the reasonable service. Because what God's trying to tell us is, look, you don't want to not go to the altar and lay yourself down on it. Because if you don't go to the altar, then you're just going to get beat up over here. It's like Bartimaeus going back to his coat. You want to do this. It's your reasonable service. It makes sense. It's the make sense service. Not like reasonable, like, well, you know, could ask you to do more. It's not what it means. It means reasonable, like, good gosh, this makes sense. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's the renewing of your mind that then takes you into that new world because you start to say, well, I am a son of God. Huh, no weapon can form against you. What are you doing over here trying to form? I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. All of a sudden, something changes on the inside of you. Now, all of a sudden, you're conquering territory. You're advancing the kingdom of God on the face of this earth. You're moving forward because you're not conforming to this world. And folks, right now, they are trying to conform us to this world system. I'm sorry. There's going to be some of you that are not like what I say right now. God bless you. You do what your heart tells you. But my heart says that everybody is trying to get us to look the same by wearing a mask. And you lose your identity. I had to go in a place here uh, uh, a, a while back. And so I refused to lose my identity. So when I had went in there, I had to put on a mask. So I put the mask on just up here. I let my goatee stick out the bottom. I wasn't covering up nothing. You should have seen the looks I got. People look at me like, what is that? You know, and I'm like, I'm not losing who I am. This is who I am. Do you know that children right now are having a very, very difficult time because they can't see their friends. They can't identify with anything. And it's beginning to really affect their minds. Now, I'm not real sharp sometimes. And I've looked at a, uh, just looking at some headlines, and I kept seeing there's something not right with this guy. I kept thinking to myself, there's something that doesn't look right with this guy. Every time I see the headlines and I see his picture, I say, what's wrong with that guy? Something not right with him. And then finally, I started laughing. I started laughing because he had on like a flesh-colored mask, but I didn't notice it a couple of times. I kept thinking, well, he ain't got no lips. <laughs> Something's wrong with this guy. I mean, and then I realized it was his stupid mask because they're trying to lose their identity and form a new identity. And I'm not going to be conformed to this world, but I'm going to be trans, be transformed. I don't want to be conformed. I want to be transformed. Right? And I've told y'all this time and time again. If they would come out with a deal and said, look, we don't worry. We're not trying to control the virus by wearing a mask. We're just trying to keep people from spitting us for it. Then I'd say, okay, that might work. But when you're trying to control a, a, a virus, go read, go look, go just Go Google. Go Google because they hadn't shut it off. Go Google what it takes to work with live viruses. 
That's the only way to keep yourself from getting a virus is to get a hazmat suit with all the big bill and all the deal, have your own oxygen and all that kind of stuff. That is the only way to stop you from catching a virus. So let's not be stupid. I know I probably hurt somebody's feelings, but I'm sorry. I'm just going to say we got to wake up. We can't be conformed to this world, and they want us to conform and conform and conform. And I'm not going to put on the I'm not going to put on the beggar's uniform. I am not going to put on the world's uniform. I'm going to be me. Born again, blood washed, Bible believing, truth believing, preaching, Holy Ghost machine. That's it. And they either like it or they don't. Got to renew your mind. You got to get your thinking straight. You got to get your thinking on straight. Okay. If you don't get your thinking on straight. Well, then what's going to happen is you're just going to go back and pick up your garment after you got your miracle. So who wants to be saved and become a child of the Most High God where your prayers are going to be answered in heaven, right? Is that not what it says? 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have in him, that anything we ask or pray, he hears it, and he will answer. What? Now all of a sudden we're going to give up and say, well, God doesn't answer prayer. No, you got to renew your mind. Quit going back to the beggar's garment and trying to see if it fits. Or if it's still there, quit checking this. Look over there and see if the beggar's garment's there. Well, I just want to make sure my spot didn't get taken in case I have to go back. And I believe with all of my heart, I'm telling you all this, folks, we've got to wake up. 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 I'm telling you, as a Jezebel spirit, demonic spirits are flowing over the face of the earth like they've never flown before. They're influencing people, and we as Christians have got to wake up. We've got to get sharp. We've got to know who we are. We've got to begin to stand. We've got to begin to rebuke. You better get your house in order. Because I believe with all of my heart, it's not going to get better in the natural. It's going to get worse. But I believe in the supernatural. It's going to get great. I believe in the supernatural. We're going to see more miracles. We're going to see more people saved. We're going to see churches fill up that are preaching the word of God. We're going to see glorious and great things going on. We're going to see finances flowing. We're going to see all kinds of miracles taking place. I believe it with all of my heart. But in the natural, it's going to get worse. So what are we going to do? Get scared? I ain't scared. We're going to start chewing our fingernails and wringing our hands and running up and down the road saying, I don't know what's going to happen. Or are we just going to say, no, my God who takes care of me says that no weapon that ever could be forged could prosper against us. And we're going to walk in victory. We're going to see glory, signs, and wonders. One of the Old Testament stories that I always love so much is when the, uh, uh, it's in 2 Kings where the prophets uh, were sitting down to have a big meal, and then they're all eating the soup, and then someone jumps up and screams, it's poison, after they've already been eating it. <laughs> you talk about kill a dinner party, man. I mean, everybody's like, And Elijah was there, or Elisha was there, and he just reaches over, gets some salt, throws it in it, stirs it up, and says, it's good now. And what, did, what do you think people did? Well, I'm full. I don't. <clears throat> I really just wanted to eat some bread. I'm, on a, I'm, o- I'm only on a carb diet, so I can only eat bread. I can't eat vegetables. As they stir the salt into the pot of poison gourds. Right? So I said, oh, is that my wife calling? Yeah, I'll be back in just a minute. Hold on. Somebody said, oh, I feel like the Lord's calling me to prayer. Well, I'm just not going to drink the poison. 
I'm going to have God just go in there and do a miracle. I'm going to have God just go ahead, heal everything, and set everything in order, and put everything there. But the faith of Elisha just puts some, throws some salt and says, it's good, now let's eat it. That's where we got to get to, folks. The widow comes to him screaming, says, oh, well, I'm going to die. Oh, everybody, he says, what do you got? He says, I just have just one little jar of oil. He said, well, go get all the pots, gather all the pots you can possibly get. And they poured and poured and poured and poured and everyone out. I mean, these are the days that we're going into, the pots that never run dry. It's like running your truck, and you just keep driving and driving and driving. It always stays full. The rest of the world runs out of fuel. They send other news crews out here. Why is everybody in Utopia still got fuel and driving? Where are y'all getting the fuel from? I don't know. My truck just runs. Every morning I get in there, pray, get out, worship the Lord, go outside, get my truck, just runs. Says empty, but man, it's how it runs. Getting great gas mileage. Why not? All I'm saying is, why not? He said, oh, well, that's just being radical. Well, then you stay over there on the side of the road in your beggar's garment and just see how much they can, the, 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 the government's going to throw you. But I want to go and strip it off, be not conformed to this world. I want to put off the old man, my doubts and unbeliefs. Go higher than I've ever gone before. Do more than I've ever done before. Everything I've seen in the past, I, I'm going to count it as nothing compared to what I want to see in the future. Amen? And all we got to do is get in agreement. All we got to do is start walking it. All we got to do is build our altars and go up there to it every day. All we got to do is start renewing our minds. That's all we got to do, folks. My goodness, walking what Jesus bought for us. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. That was a little burst of whew, for this week, midweek hump day. So y'all got to go do it. Cast off the garments. Amen? Amen. So praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for everybody out there watching. I want to bless your offerings. I want to believe God for miracles in your life. Huh. So, yeah, I know it's comfortable to sit there begging because it's been working, but I'm telling you where times are changing, it ain't going to work no more, and you better change. You better change. You better change. Don't think you can sit there like you were. Christians, don't think you can just sit where you've been doing what you've done. And it's going to get you through what's coming. You better get yourself sharp. You better have your sword so sharp that, man, you just whoosh, whoosh, and it comes easy to walk through it because you're going to need your sword in the days ahead. So, Father, I pray right now over every person watching the broadcast, every person here tonight, I bless them, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that your power comes upon them. And like blind Bartimaeus, they, they run for you, Jesus. They throw off the garments. They go, Lord God, just wanting to see you and hear you and then follow you. Follow you in everything that you have for them. Lord, I just believe that we're in times to see miracles happen. I believe that we're in times to get out of the natural and get into the supernatural. So I pray for everyone. Lord, I pray for their finances. I pray for their health. I pray for the blessings of God upon them. I declare, Lord God, that we are a prosperous people. I declare that, Lord, we do things that we could never imagine before. I thank you, Lord God, for your hand upon everything. People have ideas, witty inventions that will make them millions, Lord God, in the days ahead. That, Lord, you will cause us, because you said you order our steps and you prepare our way and you make all the crooked paths straight. So I thank you, Lord God, that we will always be right where we need to be, right when we need to be there. And that's a comfort, Lord, to know that you will get us there. I declare that we are a people who do not want to miss you. We are a people, Lord God, that want to serve you with all of our heart. 
So Lord, bless them. Bless their everything, Lord God, that they touch. And I thank you for it tonight, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, church.